The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 13th chapter. The same day Jesus went out of his house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly, since they had no depths of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what, has, what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the world, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. <clears throat> to be completely honest with you, I have really struggled this week, for real. Ever since my family and I got back from vacation, I have been in a dark existential funk. The whole sermon won't be like this, I promise you. My family went to Toronto this year. Every year the boys rotate, choosing where we go. This was Phillip's year as a hockey player and an avid Maple Leafs fan. His choice came as a surprise to no one. We were gone only a week, but that week was very special to me. I am sensing an urgency of time lately. The pace of time seems to have quickened as I realize this is Philip's junior year of high school, Jacob's senior year of high school, Christian, sophomore in college. I am not aging at all, that goes without saying. I am acutely aware of the preciousness of time. Knowing from my work with college students, that the coming summers will be increasingly filled with internships and travel opportunities for them as they each begin to discern their own paths in life. In this respect, these trips are precious. That said, there are also those moments most families encounter on vacation when a group of people spends perhaps too much time together. I was horrified by the sight and the smell of their hotel room, and annoyed, truthfully, 
by their endless bickering over sleeping arrangements. I felt my own patience running thin with the pervasive maleness of this trip, the prevailing sports theme of the trip, but I remembered these vacations are for the boys and I am a trooper. And also my grievances were extremely petty. Most of the time I was genu genuinely caught up in deep gratitude that we five were able to spend a week away together because I know it will not always be so. It's always jarring to return home from a trip, is it not? Whether you're gone two days or two months, you catch up on emails, you catch up on the news, and suddenly you're back in the grind of things and sometimes it all feels like a slap in the face and then you spiral into the dark place where I have been. Last year we were on vacation in Arizona when Roe versus Wade got overturned. I cried the whole day and felt completely unmoored. I had enjoyed this reproductive right my entire life. This time Having been home only four days, our own Iowa State Legislature passed horrifying restrictions on women's reproductive rights signed on Friday by Kim. Between this and book banning and don't say gay laws and the 886 billion defense policy bill passed by the House, which is loaded with measures restricting abortion access, transgender health care and diversity efforts in the military, the ongoing and increasing troubles in Ukraine and China. It seems we are catapulting backwards decades and decades and decades as a child of the 80s. It feels like the Cold War is just being stoked. In a dark and paradoxical way, it feels like our entire planet is both losing ground while at the same time being catapulted forward into a terrifying future as unprecedented heat waves literally bake much of our planet. What in the world is happening in the world? In Canada, ironically, we didn't see any smoke from the wildfires, although the week before we left was apocalyptic here in Iowa, and these past few days haven't been much better. Kids shouldn't play outside. Some sports events are canceled. Currently, there are over 1,000 wildfires burning in North America. Since I last preached from this pulpit a month ago, the world grieved five wealthy tourists lost at sea, but barely acknowledged 100 Libyans who drowned off the coast of Italy in a desperate attempt to lead a better life. We are going backwards towards the Cold War while also venturing out into this bizarre and risky world of extreme tourism. Canada was a nice reprieve for me. Not suggesting that Canada is utopia, but it was refreshing to hear one of our tour guides readily acknowledge the indigenous nations whose waters we were navigating and make a casual, uncomfortable comment about gay marriage having been legal in Canada since 1995 and that they've long ago moved on to other things, she said, like the fact that Canada harbors the largest Sikh population outside of India. I was glad to hear dozens of different languages spoken daily, to admire traditional dress and eat new and strange food. One night we ate at a tiny Chinese place that had chickens hanging from the window and a guy hacking them up on a cutting board worn down by years of chopping. We left with Jacob carrying a whole additional chicken. 
which he said was the best late-night snack he's ever had. <laughs> a whole chicken, which he finished with Japanese cheesecake purchased only two blocks away from our hotel. To be 17 again, right? On our flight home, I read an article about the 20 happiest places to live on Earth. Nine out of 10 of the happiest places to live are countries in Scandinavia or Northern Europe, not the sun-soaked Mediterranean climates you might expect. Perhaps it is because these people, with their short days and long winters, are forced to engage the dark, not ignore or deny it. Perhaps they hold a secret to going deep into darkness and learning to live with it, maybe even befriend it. There are times when, with all of our strength, we wish to ignore and deny all of the stuff happening around us. We want to pretend that the air and the water are safe for everybody, that rainforests aren't being wiped out, that the oceans aren't rising. We want to deny that wild bees, fireflies, and birds are disappearing, that it is possible that around half of the trees currently alive will be dead in 40 years, that last year the pavement melted in Delhi, India, my friends tell me to ignore the news, but I feel it is my duty to be an informed citizen of this world. Ignoring pain doesn't make it go away. I told you I've been in a dark place. <laughs> but I honestly feel I'm simply naming truths that we all know. We all feel, we all read the same news. In fact, to be even brutally honest with you, there have been a few times these past months where I've even thought, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to dig for words of hope. I don't want to claw at a future that might never come to pass. I don't want to scrape at threads of faith that I don't always feel. By that, I don't mean that I don't want to exist. I just mean sometimes it's hard to find gospel in the world. Sometimes it's hard to think that words, human or divine, actually matter on our current trajectory. It's hard to believe that religion and God can actually be relevant. And so I despair. And you do too. But surprisingly, gospel revealed itself to me in, of all places, a Canadian Football League game in Toronto. Here we go, friends. Here we encounter me making a very clumsy but accurate football metaphor. Those of you who witnessed the baseball sermon last month know we will eventually land in a good place, although it's a little cringy in the meantime, I know. The Toronto Argonauts played the British Columbia Lions two weeks ago on Monday. My family attended. Toronto won. It was the only football game I've ever heard of or attended where six fouls were called simultaneously as a result of a fight between the two teams. For a minute, it felt more like a hockey game than a football game. Jake told me a few weeks ago, you know, Mom, you might notice a few differences between American football and Canadian football. And then he looked at me and said, or maybe not. <laughs> he said, for example, they have three downs. I'm like, instead of 
He's like, yeah, it'll be fun. <laughs> so during the game, I asked Jacob, what does it mean for a player to go deep? He said, it means a receiver, this is him, these are not my words, um, a receiver is supposed to run far back because the quarterback is going to throw the ball far. Me being me, I said, but that's going backwards. He said, no, mom, it's losing ground only for a minute before he catches it and then gains yardage. Sometimes you have to go backwards in order to go forwards. And I said, but that makes no sense to me. And I gave him my signature slow blink and he squeezed my hand and said, oh, mom, I love you. <laughs> but I think that is precisely where many of us are today. Gospel revealed itself to me during the battle between the lions and the argonauts, because I think right now we all feel like we're losing ground and going backwards. But maybe it's part of a bigger play that will eventually move forward, only we can't really see that from our position. Perhaps part of the play is learning how to go deep into the dark, into grief, into lament. Maybe for now, we play our positions, not knowing the end game, but knowing we've played our parts to the best of our abilities, even if filled with despair and fear. Maybe we even lose ground to be gained by future generations. And so we play the game, and we fight, and we love, and we live. When today's passage from Isaiah is written, God's people have been taken away from their homeland to live in exile in Babylon. They see no hope in the world. They see no future. They find no comfort. But God reassures them with the words, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. In other words, God's word does not fail. It creates life and hope and builds a future, even when we cannot see. Even when we feel like we are moving backwards, God is moving forwards into a kingdom future of healing and hope for all creation. Dear friends, you are not in the flesh, as St. Paul writes today. You're wrapped in flesh. You sweat, you bleed, you cry. You're also of the Spirit. The Spirit of God dwells in you. You're more than your limbs and your muscle and your skin. Your spirit, your heart, your soul. The work of God's Spirit is to stir to life those things once dead, including hope. This hope is what we carry forward with us even when we feel like we are losing ground. While the entire play of creation goes far beyond our understanding and comprehension, even if we feel like we are losing, it doesn't mean the game is lost. I think of this when I consider our planet and its unleashed weather patterns and saber rattling. Will humans undo what God has done? Do we have the capacity to unravel what God has so wonderfully and fearfully created? If so, then does that make us more powerful than God? The bold truth of it is humans have neither the capacity nor the power to destroy or undo that which God has created. The death word of people cannot outweigh the life word of God. We might change creation, indeed we are changing creation, 
We can't destroy it. Nothing is ever gone, just changed. This is the first law of thermodynamics. None of us will live to see God's final play, one of revealed and completed creation, at least not in our human lifetimes, but we will be a part of it molecularly, elementally, in our short blip of a lifetime. We might feel we are going backwards, losing ground, but God is going deep, making a play that we cannot even imagine. It is beyond us, and yet it includes us. So great is God's love for us that God includes us, we shallow and backwards people in God's future victory for all creation. While we grapple with despair and fear, there's hope. It's the spark we hold on to every day as we go about our lives, as we read the news, as we engage in acts of social justice. New images from the James Webb Telescope reveal to us that there are literally new stars being formed in the universe as we speak. People like the Sikhs are fighting to establish new and safe countries for themselves. Christians are stepping up as allies, working with indigenous nations, people of color, persons in the LGBTQIA community, the angry, the poor, and homeless to spread God's love to all people. Cures and remedies to diseases are being discovered. Symphonies are being composed. Trees are being planted. Babies are being born. There is hope, signs of joy. There's a bearded guy in Iowa City. I don't know his name. He wears a red dress. He wears cowboy boots and a sun hat and smokes a cigar. Do you know this guy? He's usually in front of the Deadwood. I don't know who he is, but every time I see him, I smile. And I give thanks for his daily resolve to be utterly himself. I was at the Englert on Tuesday, and during the Bluegrass concert, I rubbed Christian's back and heard a single refrain in my head, Dear God, thank you for this child. And simultaneously, I cried and smiled. In the pain in which we live, there's hope. As we move backwards, we're also gaining ground into a new and unknown future. We don't go alone. The thing then is to go deep, to trust that the roots of your faith go deeper than even you know. To go deep into lamentation and grief, because these things are real. But to not let lamentation and grief move you, but to let them move you, not paralyze you. To dig deep into a faith that exists even when you can't feel it or see it. Dig deep for words and actions that address the needs that you encounter today and tomorrow, the day after that. You are not people of shallow roots. You are people who go deep. God's word has fallen on you. and Baptism has watered it in you. And it grows in you. Go deep, then, into grief and fear. Do not ignore these things. Go deep into the reality of where and when we live. Go deep into the kingdom of which we are all a part. A kingdom whose reign is beyond our comprehension, but to which we are all citizens, not by merit or income or race or orientation, but because we are all creatures of God. It's precisely when you feel you're losing ground and going backwards that faith takes hold and means something, because there's literally nothing else to hold on to, including reason and logic, 
faith always flies in the faith, face of reason and logic. It doesn't make sense to go backwards only to go forward, to lose ground only to gain, but it is in this liminal space between where everything is lost and everything is gained, where we dare to lose ground until all people can move forward. It is here where you go deep to find the strength to move forward as a person of faith in this very backwards world. It is in this space where the kingdom of God is found. When we fear we are only moving backwards and losing the game, it is precisely here where we meet Christ, who lost everything for himself in order to win everything for us. Amen.